and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor and coach. In series two of the podcast, we're sharing new stories along with the ethos that you are never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. On this episode, I'm joined by Nicola Wood, founder of The Wonderful Wig Company. Age 36, Nicola was diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. With an existing autoimmune disorder, the stress of a cancer diagnosis only exasperated her existing autoimmune illness and her battles with hair thinning. During her diagnosis, Nicola realized that the existing services for people suffering from hair loss were not good enough. So she set out on her mission to provide the best hair loss service in the UK. The wonderful wig company have now supported over 5,000 people and are an NHS approved supplier to 15 different hospitals and trusts around the north of England. Nicola has a truly inspiring story. I am so excited to hear all about it on this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. What an introduction. Thank you. Uh, I'm very pleased to be here, Sarah. Thank you. Would you give a, give some more information to the listeners or anyone watching on YouTube all about you, who you are and, and, and what you do? Oh, okay. Um, so in a nutshell, uh, if you cut us in half, I'm a hairdresser. Um, I was all I've ever wanted to do since I was a little girl. I just wanted to be a hairdresser. I did all right at school. My mum really wanted me to be an engineer, use my brain, go to uni, that kind of thing. So I kind of went along with that for a short while. Um, but in in my heart, I just wanted to do hair. And um, and so I I said to mum like I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I, I kind of stood my ground. And when I was eighteen, no, sorry, nineteen, I left university and I left engineering behind, and I became a hairdresser. Um, two years later when I was 21 opened up my salon so from age 21 I ran a very small family run business in the suburbs of Sunderland I saved up four grand and I borrowed four grand uh, and that's how I opened it uh, on a wing and a prayer <laughs> and there I remained ever since very very happy uh, I only ever employed three or four people just a lovely little high end boutique type salon out, out of town and it just really worked uh, I've been very happy there ever since and when I was 36 so um fast forward 15 years if you want to uh, when I was 36 um I found out that I had cancer and it, it just changed my life it changed my life as it does I am very grateful now that I got cancer I see every gift that it's given me and my life is so much more full um what I, what I noticed in that time of having cancer was that I just saw so many people without the hair. I saw so many bad wigs, I want to say. And I just saw the power in that and, and in somebody's well-being and how you could either look like Nicola or you could look like Nicola with cancer. And, and the hair really did that for everybody that I met. Um, and I had just this epiphany moment sat in radiotherapy one day with my husband and I turned to him and I said, this is amazing, I got cancer. I got cancer so that nobody has to wear a crap wig again. <laughs> uh, and yeah and so I set out on a bit of a mission uh, researched for uh, the entire I was off I want to say about a year I spent that time researching every provision I could find in the country and abroad researching what was available and training with the world's best people to become one of the UK's most qualified experts in hair loss and when I went back to work about I want to say about a year later, um, I opened a facility that my husband purpose built for me and borrowed some money. Um, 
at a time when we had no money, <laughs> he let me do this crazy idea. Um, because it just, it was my purpose, it was my mission, and that was the reason that I was getting better, because I had to get better because this service was needed. That was my kind of ethos, and it really, really drove me forward on the darkest days. I had to get better, I had to get through this because this is what I had to do. So we opened and the rest is history. I'm here now five years later with a huge business, really. Um, I employ 20 people in that business. We run a seven-figure business. We've doubled year on year on year. We, yeah, we've done great, my little team. I've still got lots of goals to smash. <laughs> oh, we're going to we'll talk about those um, a little further on in the interview. But one of the things that really struck me there with what you said, and it really resonated with me, was that cancer makes you grateful. And it's hard to explain, isn't it, unless you've kind of gone through that, because people would say, well, how can you be grateful? But it's different, isn't it? You just, I don't know about you, but I, I saw the, see the world through different eyes. Does that make sense? Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Oh, 100%, 100%. So I was I was doing a talk for the NHS and talking to people with cancer, which is my favourite part of one of the favourite things that I do and what I do now is I get to speak to people who are right in the thick of it. I said to them on this Zoom call about 30 women, I said, I can think today of 100 reasons that my life is better since I got cancer. And they were all... <gasps> And I said, okay, well, I'm further down the line than you, so I can think of a hundred. All I want today is for you to think of one reason or one lesson that you've learned or one strength that you've found in yourself that has been improved since you had cancer. And everybody could. You know, it makes you see the world very differently. It makes you have different relationships. It makes you appreciate the tiny things in life. It does. And I think it also makes you appreciate the things you don't want anymore. What cancer taught me, and I don't know if it was similar for you, but I suddenly realized, hang on a minute, there's so much in my life I don't want, never mind what I do want. And I went through a real decluttering and unraveling phase where I used to worry so much about what people thought of me. I used to be terribly worried. I've been agoraphobic. I suffered from terrible panic attacks, anxiety, you know, like I had a real breakdown in my 20s. And when I look back, cancer taught me, it was like, hold on, take a step back. Let's just think about what's really important in life. It really helped me to, to be grateful for who I am and what I've got. What would you say out of all the things that you're most grateful for? Obviously, we're grateful that we're here and we're still alive. But what would you say that you really, that you that cancer's shown, shown you that you maybe hadn't realised before? That I like a simple life. Before, I just said yes to everything. And, and I learned I actually really enjoy being a housewife. I never realised that before, but I love making the tea. I've never made the tea in my whole career I work late every night uh, I love making the tea and I love sitting and having tea with my family I actually don't love going partying every Saturday night just breaking the norm it may, it may just have that break but just breaking the norm and, and the same with COVID I've used both of those times really for massive reflection and I've came out of it with very different rules so I'm grateful for it allowing me to see choices in my life yeah and that is a wonderful thing isn't it choice to have to know that you've got choice because some people think they haven't got choice so they go down this rabbit hole of doing things they don't really want to do 
because they think they've got to do it. And before they know it, they've got to midlife and they look back and they think, well, what what have I been doing? I've been a someone's all my life. I've forgotten who the someone was. What's it all been about? And and I think that's what this podcast's about. It's about having interviews like this with you, Nicola, and showing people that we are never too old and it's never too late. You can you can change, can't you? And and how important choice is. Yeah. I think the flip side of that, as much as it made me um, say no a bit more, I always have in the back of my head, and particularly in the beginning, that what if I'm not here in five years? See, there's this place that we go for a walk in uh, Slipwoods and there's a huge, big hole in the ground, an old mine, and it's full of the most freezing water you've ever seen in your life. And when I was little, I used to jump in. And I've gone as a mum and as I've got older and took my kids and not jumped in, you know, because I think like we shouldn't do that. Every time we go to Slipwoods, no matter what I'm wearing, I've jumped in there and my niggers because I just think, well, what would you regret more? Getting your niggers wet and walking home soggy or the fact that you had the chance to jump in there and not do it. So, yeah, a bit of both. In my previous life, when I ended up bankrupt, I was with co-directors and we lost a business. And like you jumping in that water, my passion was horses and I used to ride. And I used to ride competitively. And for whatever reason, anxiety kicked in and I just couldn't ride anymore. And then I, I came to the conclusion um, at the beginning of this year, I thought, if look, if you want to ride and you want to feel that, you know, that thrill and that rush and that adrenaline and that joy that you used to feel, you're going to have to get back on that horse, literally, but, you know, pardon the pun. And I've started riding again. You know, I've, I've started riding again at 51, like 20 odd years since I've sat on a horse, really. And it's right, isn't it? It's like we've, we've kind of got got now and ever and, and are you going to lie there you know if we get to our deathbed which we will one day going I wish I'd jumped in that water or me going I wish I'd ridden that bloody horse at least we can now say we did we went to Greece last year and there's a little um, not Greece sorry Portugal and there's an island and it's deserted there's no inhabitants you just have to get a boat there and then the boat picks you up a couple of hours later so I was desperate to go and I said this and I said to my husband and my son uh, I'm going to take all my clothes off and go swimming when we get there and they're like no you're not I went I am <laughs> I'm just going to do that <laughs> I want to swim naked in a beautiful warm sea on a deserted island anyway we got and I literally just took all my clothes off and ran in the sea but I absolutely I felt so emotional in that water so get a bit get a bit naked well, the, the message is yeah get naked kids <laughs> be like get more Nicola get naked and have more fun I think that is absolutely bloody it so the, the podcast formidable over 40 is it is very much about you know basically helping anyone who might be listening in midlife who might be feeling stuck they might be feeling uninspired thinking they've got more years behind them and in front of them and this is it they're stuck you know, so this is all about sharing wonderful stories like you and I are chatting about now to show them that they're never too old and it's never too late to design a life they love. My real passion. What does formidable over 40 mean to you when you when you hear the words formidable over 40? What 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 does it mean to you? I have achieved more and been more fulfilled in the last five years than I had in the last 20 Without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, um, my cup is full. It's it, it's not plain sailing, but and I wake up every day and get to do something that absolutely fills me cup. Again, with the rules, the not how I don't want to say rules, but with the decisions I make now, you know, like I'm not 
come over every Sunday. So I get Sunday mornings because actually I'm a big girl and I can say no if I don't want to go out and get drunk, um, which I don't. So, you know, I don't do that as much anymore. And I refuse to work more than one late night a week. So I get the eat. Like all of the new decisions that I've made, like my life is so much fuller now. Yeah. My old job, being a hairdresser, and I used to say, I, I get to go to work and pay, make people feel better about themselves every day. Giving somebody new hair makes them feel great. There's no question of that. But giving back somebody hair when they've gotten on at the lowest time in their life, you can't imagine the, the feeling that that is. Your hair's so personal. It's like, it, it completely... It just changes everything about you. It's a crown and to lose that. Oh, my Lord. I mean, what you do, it's just, I follow you all the time on Instagram. I just find what you do fascinating. I love it. It's such an important thing that you, you're you doing and you've created. I mean, you and for you, it must be so fulfilling every time you, you've got one of those clients in front of you, knowing how they felt. Yeah. I think that another thing that I do, obviously, in later life that I never did when I was younger, it, obviously we do loads for the community now, but one of my favourite things that I do is I volunteer at the hospice as just a hairdresser and I go to the hospice once a month and I cut hair for people who might have days to live, might have months to live. And I'm just, I just go as a hairdresser. I've got, it's my favourite day of the month. And so I would say one of my biggest things that I would advocate is volunteering in some respect or giving your time or giving you the best of you to somebody else just for a tiny amount because what you get from that in your heart and is, um yeah, I, I come out of there buzzing. My aunt was in her 90s, Nicola, and she's just died of uh, cancer of the esophagus going into the home every day to see her and her hairdresser uh, came in and did her hair for her and just the fact that she'd had her hair washed and, and it had been blow dried and trimmed and done how she felt it made such a difference I so I totally can get you know what you're doing there yeah and just to see her with her hair done it makes such a difference it's such a personal thing isn't it yeah 100% I cut a guy's hair the other week and um he was very very sick and he was asleep and sedated and I said his wife said I'm so grateful that you came can you cut his hair and she showed me a picture of her husband oh my god what a handsome bloke he was and he was so sharp and she says can you make him look like that so we cut his hair and like it was difficult, you know, he was asleep, but we cut his hair and she washed her hair in a rush because she wanted to be by his bedside and I said, I'll blow dry yours as well. And she says, eh, no, no, no. And, and anyway, so I did the both of them. She just said, okay, I'm just, she says, it's the first time in a couple of years that he's looked like the man I married. And I forgot just how handsome he was. And she said she was going to get some pictures taken that day because the both just looked so, well, yeah, and that for me, I mean, that's worth more than any wages you can pay somebody in a month, isn't it? Getting that, making, do, like making somebody feel that good feels amazing. And I think that also volunteering or doing something like that takes you away from your day to day, takes you away from the hustle, takes you away from your phone. Like, I haven't got my phone, I haven't got my laptop, I haven't got the team, I haven't got any worries. All I'm doing, it just completely takes us away. Um, yeah, it's my favourite day. Yeah. I think, and, and it, it, like what you're saying there, I mean, the work you're doing is incredible. You've changed that lady's life. You really did, you know, and the impact that what you did for her there. But, you know, and also for yourself, you know, because I think it's important, isn't it, for yourself as well to, to have something that 
that means so much to you as well. Like you say, two filia cups, so you're not just going through the motions. You're actually doing something which which is purposeful, but also that you're passionate about because I think that passion creates that energy and and that energy is what you need in your business to, to, to keep all the balls in the air, isn't it? That's right. That's right. A lot of the week I'm, I'm juggling and I'm, and I'm doing that, but that one day I just get to slow down and just completely realign with my purpose and my why. And um, yeah, it brings it home for us. And do so much good. You know, and just to be able to do so, so much good. So going back to when you were, say, 15, right? So we'll have a look at Nicola, who's 15. You know, what would you, what was Nicola doing? What were her dreams and what were her hobbies? Oh, my God, I was a naughty teenager, man. I was really naughty. I was wild. <laughs> I wanted to do everything, try everything, go everywhere, do. Oh, I was naughty. I was so naughty. I was a rebel. Yeah, I mean, I'd really rather not get into that. <laughs> Would you rather skip that decade? No, 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 absolutely not. But I say to my 14-year-old all the time, Gabe, you've got no chance. Between me and your dad, we have been and done everything. You'll get away with now in this house. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, um, you know, I was going out when I shouldn't. I was going out with boys a lot. Um, I was just naughty. <laughs> um, but I was driven. I had a Saturday job as a hairdresser. I had paper rounds to get me drinking money. <laughs> I was permanently in trouble at school for smoking and just being naughty, yeah. But I think really I've always had an entrepreneurial mind, definitely. I've always been driven. Um, don't ask us what I was like when I was 25 because it wasn't much different. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you slow down? Obviously, you know, we've chatted about how the, your cancer sort of reframed and, and changed how you've thought and how you've made adjustments and, and changed the decisions and, and things in your life. Would you say that was the pivotal moment in your in your sort of, or, or was there something before that? You know, you, you said you were wild and had loads of fun in your in your 15s and in your 20s, but was there anything that changed, changed you, or would you say your cancer's been the, the defining moment? No, certainly not. I think um, when I was a late teenager, um we had like it you know my mum was remarried and um for one reason or another my mum left when I was about I want to say I was about 18 when she finally left it went on for a few years but she left and kind of never came back and so um from that age I lived with my brother and sister who were younger than me and that for me was the defining change. That was when I needed to like grow up, earn some money, be responsible, find somewhere to live, that kind of thing. So that was probably the change in me. I still had loads of fun in my twenties, but I probably wasn't like this rebellious wild person anymore. Well that's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? To suddenly to take on. Yeah, it was, but you can t for me, my brother and my sister, it was the absolute making of all of us. Like we're so resilient, we're so strong, we're so independent, um and very close, you know, very, very close. We're like the three musketeers. That's wonderful. That that is absolutely wonderful. So we've talked a little bit about the wonderful wig company and the absolutely amazing work that, that you're doing. But what would you say, I mean, you must have, 
gosh, you'll have seen so much. You'll, you'll have experienced so much with patients, clients. Do you call them clients, patients? With the clients when me, the patients when they're at the hospital. Yeah, your clients. So you'll have you. You know, you must have um, you know got so many experiences. But what would you say you've learned the most from setting up the wonderful wig company? That I am so effing lucky that I am blessed, that I am, yeah, every single day of my life, I meet people in the most forlorn situations who are living every single moment because it is their last. What's that expression? Don't whinge when you've got no socks because somebody's got no feet or something like that. Yeah, every every single day, I am massively pulled back down to earth and grounded by the people around me going through much, 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 much worse than I have and and making the very best of it. God, absolutely. You know, touching on the cancer, you know, there may be people who are listening to this who, who've just been diagnosed. I get messages from people who say to me, I've just been diagnosed with cancer and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, can you, you know, get, share some advice or, or, or they just want to talk sometimes. And that's absolutely, you know, always delighted to listen and support wherever I can. But, um, you know, to somebody who has maybe just being diagnosed what advice would you give to them now you know in in how to sort of navigate through it it's a hard thing isn't it how do you help someone navigate through cancer uh, two things that spring to mind for me are a notepad and a pen write everything down because your head's a washing machine with all of the thoughts and so I found writing down whenever I had a worry or a question I would write it down because I would Run, I would obviously forget it before I went back in the hospital, so I write it down. One of the most difficult things I think for me was I was 36, and although I knew many, many people who'd had cancer, none of them were 36 with a six year old with their own business. None of them had the same worries as I did. I, I told you before about my relationship with my sister is amazing, but I knew her heart was breaking that I had cancer, so I didn't want to tell her how worried I was because you're trying to protect them and I, and I didn't want to tell my husband because I knew he was going through it anyway. So my biggest thing would be to find a, a cancer buddy. I know that sounds weird, but as soon as I found a couple of women who were in their 30s with young family, one of them even had their own business and I connected with them. I joined lots of different groups online and in person at different little charities now and just having the ability to be completely open with what is a stranger than nobody that loves you <laughs> you're not allowed but if you've got one person that you can talk to who doesn't love you you can be as honest as you want with them and they will totally get it and I found I was lucky enough to find a couple of ladies like that and it really changed because then I could offload all of my real deep worries and feelings without doing that to my husband or sister who I wanted to protect. So yeah, that was my sort of notepad and a cancer friend <laughs> really helped me. Yeah, that is really, really good advice because like you say, your family are going through such turbulence as well and they're terrified, aren't they? And, and their whole world's been turned upside down and they've probably got so many questions that they want to ask, but they don't want to ask you because they don't want to frighten you so it's like a whole vicious circle isn't it yeah and I know some people you can afford some people can afford counseling psychologists and things like that again that would be great but if you can't there are hundreds of online forums and groups and local charities where they have specifically you know like Maggie's they had a specific group for younger women and I attended there and like in that hour I got so much release 
you know, um, just by being able to be honest because I would much rather have cancer than my sister have it. No, so I did not want to give her, like, so the thought of her, me being in her shoes would be just as bad. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my greatest bit of uh, help came from strangers, I think. I think that that is a, a, such good advice because, like you say, yeah, everybody's got to let off steam, but nobody's, everybody's too frightened to. And that becomes the thing, doesn't it, where people don't want to talk about it and they won't talk about things in front of you. But sometimes you just need to talk about it, don't you? And well, or, well it's not just sometimes you need to talk about it you do like you've just said there you need there's so many questions and I think that idea of the notepad's brilliant because I can remember and I still do now because I go for my six months check uh, to hospital and I and I still remember like now to write things down as well when I'm going for my appointments so I don't don't forget and it, you know I think it's important if you've got any questions never think there's any question that's silly there's never a silly question is there never a silly question no and actually I mean people are I love it if somebody asks me a question about hair like people like questions, people are too frightened to ask, but actually most people love questions. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And because I think it's also nice to think that if you can help somebody, you know, and if you can try and help to put somebody's mind at rest, to give someone some peace, you know, it's, yeah, I never get sick of questions. I'm always happy to to help wherever I can. So the wonderful wig company, I mean, you're just going from this this phenomenal, like you said there, seven figure business that you've 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 built. What's what's next? What's happening? What, where's where's the business going? What's the plans? Uh huh. So um, I don't think that we're gonna. Ex- you know, we're now covering the whole of the northeast, and I'm not entirely sure that we talk about developing outside of that. But actually, for me, I kind of want to know everybody in my team, and I don't want to spend my life in the car so for me now that would be we've talked lots about it in our meetings but I kind of don't sit well with going any further than I have with me face to face so because at the moment everybody in my team and I don't spend my life car and yes I could we could grow the business probably another 10 times if I wanted to take it outside of the northeast face to face but I'm not sure that I want to do that so we're going to grow it in other ways which would be through our e-commerce platform and through offering education education and um hopefully when i finish my book um i also just qualified i spent um the last year or so um qualifying as a trichologist which is the science behind hair and scalp conditions so um, we're going to be offering trichology services soon as well no that's fantastic and it's really interesting that a lot of the um guests who come on formidable over 40 have gone on and restudied and and that's another strong message isn't it that you know, even I had a client who was 40, uh, no, sorry, she was in mid, mid-40s and retraining to be a teacher. There's no age that says you can't go back and study, you know, so anyone listens to this in a career they don't like. So I did it when I was 42 and had the, the biggest business ever to run, the most like plate spinning ever, but it has been something inside of me since I was 20 that I wanted to have an academic qualification in hair. And so I just thought to, and also now it's the missing link I feel in my business. It's the thing that would make me be able to get a young person some funding quicker. I can help with that hospital wait time and stuff like that with having this qualification. So when I said to the team like eight, eight months ago, I'm going to go and do this qualification, they were all like, oh my God, what's your plan at? <laughs> My husband was like, are you absolutely for real? Are you for real? Why on earth 
to be honest. I went because it's something that's been on my mind. If I don't tick it, like I'll regret it. So there's never going to be a good time for me to go back to school. And in another three years, it might be busier again. So it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. It's been very, very hard finding that day a week to commit to studying. But um, I qualified two weeks ago. So Oh, that is absolutely fantastic. Huge congratulations. And that's like putting that bit of the jigsaw that's just been missing in there isn't it it just it was the missing link in terms of like going to the NHS and talking about um providing a week service being a hairdresser being a cancer survivor but for me I wanted that academia behind us that said and actually I'm very qualified and for me that was the missing link oh, I think that's absolutely fantastic it really is and again it just follows the mantra that you're never too old and you're never too late to design the life you love so if you're listening one though and if you hear us saying I'm doing another one give us a slap <laughs> now hey knowing you you could be doing anything this time next year <laughs> you're amazing you're an absolute bloody inspiration Nicola I love you I think you're absolutely fantastic you really are you're a busy woman you've got a lot going on you've got a big business there's a lot of women who struggle to find some time for themselves you know and they end up getting onto that path of I'm a someone I'm not a someone I don't even know what I like anymore I, I can't remember when I was last happy what is your advice to you know finding that bit of balance where you can still have some time for you what can these women do who say oh no no I can't do that I haven't got time and yet you run all those businesses and you've gone and, and done your studying you found the time what do you say to these people who are making excuses? I haven't got the time. How do they sort it out? I challenge that. I challenge it when people say I haven't got time and give us a look at your diary. I bet you I can find some time. Uh, there, there, there are trade-offs. Doing less, achieving more. You know, like I have in the business, I have two solid do days where all I do is to do, to do, to do. You know how it is. I mean, busy days. And I, I sit at my desk and I don't move. I'm not interrupted. I don't get distracted. I just do. Um, then one day a week, without compromise, is a day that I spend on doing something that's my next big picture. So, yeah, so for the last year, that, that day a week has been spent studying. And probably for the next day, next year, that's going to be finishing writing this book. So, um, and no matter how busy I am, because I could do, 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 do all day on a Friday as well, but I just don't. Can you tell us a bit about your book? Can you give us a little snippet? Can can we have a, a not a snippet, but just can you give us a little a little peek, or, or are we not allowed to know a little peek? Yeah, I'm just writing all the reasons my life's meant since I had cancer. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Oh well, I can't wait to. Uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. So when do you think you're going to have it done by? Well, <laughs> I mean, it will, I've got a deadline. I've got an internal deadline, but I'm not sure I'm willing to share that. Now, Nicola, you said this book was going to be done. I'm waiting for it. Where is it? Quarter one, 2024. <laughs> Around about. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. So what does me time look like for Nicola then? What do you do? You, you make a lot of people feel fantastic. What do you do to feel good and have some time for yourself? Um, so honestly, like I told you, that day of volunteering is my favourite day. Of, that for me is really downtime. Um, I swim probably three mornings, four mornings if I can. I swim a mile. And on a, every Saturday morning, I go to the beach. I do a walk. 
then I get and I do a dip in the sea and I make friends for coffee doing that kind of stuff so um my gym doesn't have any reception so when I'm there I'm there for me it's like I have this massive massive amount of adrenaline and when I wake up too much adrenaline I don't know whether that's anxiety or what but it's much worse first thing in the morning so I wake up and I'm like and I'm a real early riser so um I just burn that off and I do that and then I feel oh right I'll have my breakfast and I'll plan my day but when I wake up I've just got so much energy that uh, I like an hour that's just for me and I think that's really important as well especially when you've got so much going on I mean okay yeah you've got a lot of adrenaline and and so forth but think to get for you to recognize that because sometimes people don't recognize it and for you to recognize that and get yourself out there go to the gym you get in the right headspace, you know, you're in, you're in that right place, aren't you, to, to run your business and because you've got a lot of informed decisions to make. So you've got to have that clear head and clear space. And I think this is where a lot of people go wrong in, in business. They think, I've got to be at my desk is it six o'clock in the morning and I've got to leave at eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. What? What's that? All? Where's the space for creativity and innovation? Where's the space for, you know, just taking a little step back and, and that big picture thinking? You, you can't do that from your desk. No. Well, ironically, I got another life lesson probably in 2021. Um, I was off work seriously poorly for a, a couple of months and it was just when the business went back after lockdown so you know it was a busy business then but you can imagine how many people had waiting as hairdressers and stuff then and I couldn't come back I wasn't in a position to come back to work and you know you go from thinking that you cannot be off for a day because the business will fold and my business grew when I was off and the team managed I didn't get any phone calls. I knew that I couldn't do that. And, you know, that was a big life lesson to me. Like, if it can run for three months with us as being here without us making a decision, then do I need to be at my desk three days a week or do I just need to trust the people who I've employed to do, to, to have my heart and all do? They're all so good. That. But that's just for you as well. You know, you've got to think about that's trusting you as well, because you as a leader, that is real strength because that shows that, you know, you you can delegate. You've allowed those people to grow. You've allowed those people to step up so that you can step back. And when you do step back, these people, you you know, you can quite confidently know that these people are going to run and grow your business. And that is sometimes a real failing of leaders where they don't allow their team to step up the don't and, and yet they've employed these people with the whole reason and purpose that they're there to support them to grow the business but when they come in they don't let them do the job and then nothing grows and does um so so in terms of, of, of like being a good delegator you know and and to a leader who's not letting go you know who's fear fear of always being in control what would you say to that person you get the best out of people when you let them have a go. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Um, they feel valued. They feel heard. They have better ideas than you. Like, it's not my ideas wins. Who's got the best idea around the table, you know? Like, um, yeah, I've got a fab little team, and I value them, and they value what we do, and it works. 
Absolutely. And I think that sounds it sounds absolutely wonderful because if you if you're a leader who just wants to be surrounded by yes people, then your business will ever never be any bigger than just you. And that's putting a lot of pressure so that so anyone listening who who wants to be surrounded by yes people and can't let go of control, your business is only over and only ever be as big as what you say and what you think. Whereas if you've got that powerful team around you who who are innovative and creative and maybe some younger, some oldest, the older ones might have more knowledge, the younger ones may have more creativity. You know, you you've got to be surrounded by that that mix of people and confident to to allow them to grow and make the and 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 make the choices and inspire you because otherwise you you just you, you know you well you're stagnating aren't you yeah and I think as well just being flexible you know they all tell me which days the work which hours the work everybody's part time nobody works more than four days so I think because they've got a happy workspace they're just they're all at it when they come in you know and also I think another tip would be like hire your weaknesses you know I'm crap I don't like social media so I've got somebody who's really good at it great with tech so I've got somebody who's really great with tech um so that we all have different skill sets I'm not hiring like 20 of me uh resilience I'm very resilient (laughs) and um I'd like to say I'm a really good pest I'm like a really, really good pest. If I want something, I, I'm not going to ask for it 30 times until I give you cave in and say yes to us. Ask anybody. Ask anybody in the NHS. <laughs> I'm the world's biggest pest. Yeah, and we're, got a, we're going to get made, actually. We're going, like our motto and our shy bands getting out. And that is so true. If you don't ask, you don't get. Say what you want. Just don't be afraid. What's the worst that can happen? Somebody can say no to you. I'm not frightened to ask. No, I'm not either. I think that's exactly it. And I think that's how, you know, I've maybe managed to get myself out of some of the scrapes I've got myself in by just saying, put my hand up and saying, look, I need your help, you know. Oh, Nicola, it's been an absolute joy. I knew it would. And what I always ask um, my guests to do is to pay forward a bit of advice to anybody who's listening. And there may be someone who's listening to this podcast who's feeling really stuck and they're thinking, do you know what? I, I want to give it some, I want to reinvent my life. These these ladies are right. I'm never too old. It's never too late to design the life you love. What would you say to them? What have they got to do to get unstuck? Stop waiting for something to happen to be happy. Like, like when this happens, I will do that. When I've lost this weight, I will go to the gym. When, I, when I've had this holiday, I'll hand me notice. Like literally jump now. Like there is no tomorrow. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So do it now. What? what like literally stop being a dick and uh, do it now. Stop being a dick. Listen, if you're listening, you've got to stop being a dick. That is really good advice. <laughs> literally stop talking about it. Done. Action, action, action. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Nicola, thank you so much. Can you share with the listeners where they can find out all about you and the wonderful wig company. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Nicola Wood, um, with website wonderfulwigs.co.uk and on Instagram, the wonderful wig company. And I promise if you tell me you're on Sarah's podcasts, I will answer anything you have throughout me, personally. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So, only it leaves me to say is thank you for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much to the wonderful Nicola for joining us and inspiring us. Head to the show notes to find links to Nicola's socials and how to find out more about the wonderful We Company.
follow the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and please do share formidable over 40 with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs to hear it please do like and subscribe thanks ever so much